Hey, Bare Knuckle listeners, this is George K. My co-host, George A., and I had so much fun talking with our guests, Madi Raza and David Madi, that we went a little longer than usual. So we're splitting this interview into two parts. This episode is the Bare Knuckle Brawl, and later this week, we'll drop part two, The Brass Tacks. Thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of Bare Knuckles and Brass Tacks, the cybersecurity podcast that tackles the vendor-customer relationship. I'm George K. with the vendor side. And I'm George A., the Chief Information Security Officer. And today, we have two guests, Mahdi Raza and David Mahdi. Welcome, gents. Um, yeah, yeah. Thanks, both Georges, for, for having uh, Mahdi and David Mahdi. No relation, by the way. <laughs> we got two Georges and we got two Mahdi's. <laughs> yeah, so uh, why don't you just take a second to introduce yourselves, kind of like where you are in the cyber ecosystem, and we'll take it from there. Uh, why don't we start with you, uh, Mahdi? Yeah, well, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's, it's an honor and a pleasure to finally be on this great show. So great job you guys are doing, I think, first of all, right off the bat. Uh, so my name is Matty, CEO, founder, CyberX. Uh, best way to put it, we're a community activator uh, in the cybersecurity ecosystem across you know public, private sector. Um, we, we, we love helping those that are entering cyber uh, to all to right down to the so that's a little bit about me. Cool. Thanks for having me, uh, both Georges. Yeah, it's uh, definitely uh, a pleasure, certainly to, you know, obviously I know George A quite well and, and Madi and, and George K. We're just meeting for the first time, but a little bit about myself, um, kind of almost two decades in cybersecurity, practitioner side, vendor side, and uh, I was a Gartner analyst for about six years. So you do the dance on both sides, uh, actually mm -hmm. three sides, investor side, practitioner side, and tech provider or vendor side as well. So as a Gartner analyst, I got to see all of those. And, you know, currently now uh, chief strategy officer, uh, but I spent a lot of time doing CISO advisory work, uh, which is how I kind of uh, came to run in with uh, Madi Raza and George uh, A as well, where uh, we've, we've definitely done some work together. So but yeah, definitely have to thank you guys for having us on uh, on the podcast today. Yeah, we're excited. And uh, you're both out with a new book, The Art of Selling Cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're excited to get into some of those topics, not necessarily the book itself, but kind of the foundational principles. So I'm going to turn it over to George A. to get us started. Thanks, George. Yeah, all right, gents. Let's get this thing going. Um, I mean, full disclosure to the audience, we all know each other through the, uh, the outstanding work that Maddie has led in building and leading CyberX, which like I would argue is Canada's leading IT and security industrial marketing and networking company. Um, it, it's really brilliant what Maddie's done for the industry uh, across all sectors in Canada. Uh, he's really lauded for this. Um, I know my involvement with CyberX began when Maddie began uh, engaging in some of my like, you know, shouts in the dark kind of LinkedIn posts when I was just complaining about the lack of good leadership and effective uh, business-specific engagement in our space. Um, you know, through a whole bunch of events, and then almost a year later now, it's uh, it's really turned into a key part of my my career and, and part of my weeks. Now, I believe you and David were already working together um, when I got plugged into the CyberX scene. So, if you want to start, uh, when did you guys meet? and How did you guys connect? I'll I'll start there. So, you know, the world changed, right? We had COVID. And it allowed us to really like connect with people online and it was okay. It was a safe way to connect. So 
obviously I'm going through LinkedIn on one of those nights in bed, you know, you, you're going through and, and I see my last name with, with a beautiful first name, David. And obviously you're going to resonate to that. So my message was clear and simple and it was, Hey, what's going on? We have the same last name. And, and, and it's great because, you know, there's a lesson to be learned in that. And that is that rapport building, right? That's that three seconds you have when that guy opens up or that client opens up that specific message that he or she will either say, yes, let me respond. Or they'll be like, you know what? Delete. So, and, and David responded. And, and from there on, we ended up writing a book. So imagine that. And, and I have to say just on the receiving end of that, um, you know, I get a lot of LinkedIn messages and, and, and for, you know, my friends uh, and connections that are listening, including you, Madi <laughs> and George, you know, I get overwhelmed sometimes with messages of just connections, business development, advisory stuff, you name it. Right. And I know many of us here uh, probably share the same thing as well as many of our listeners. And so, yeah, when Madi reached out, it did really resonate. And it, I, I stopped for a moment and, you know, I looked at his background and saw the work that George, you just referred to uh, with CyberX and, and, you know, residing here in Canada and looking at uh, what Madi was doing with CyberX. And on top of that, where with uh, just how he was uh, connecting with me, it, it, it definitely resonated. And I think from there, we, we connected uh, shortly thereafter. I left Gartner and that allowed me to do some work with Madi and the CyberX team. Uh, as we're kind of doing today. And and I know uh, if you look at the socials, uh, one of the things that Madi has, uh, you know, entrusted me with was is the uh, CISO forum coming up end of January in Toronto, where we've got a lot of industry leaders across Canada traveling to Toronto. Uh, a lot of roundtables we'll be doing that are closed to tech providers. And really, it's only for practitioners so they can speak more candidly about what they're doing with their investments and all that kind of stuff. We could talk about that later, but that's the kind of stuff that I definitely saw with Monty when he did that outreach and I looked at his background and, and from there we've, uh, you know, kind of cultivated a nice friendship and, uh, and somehow we did a book. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> kudos to Monty for leading that. Uh, but I'll pause there. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, I mean, similarly to you guys, George and I met over LinkedIn and then in person at at Black Hat, and um, it was maybe more candid than uh, we, either one of us had ever had. We sort of, you know, acknowledged the dance vendor side, uh, CISO side, and then this podcast came about because we both had the same grapes. I was like, "We're both named George. This thing writes itself. Let's do it." <laughs> but um, it's so uncanny. Yeah, yeah. I want, to, I want to get into the book. Um, and there's a key part here at the beginning that I think is very valuable for anyone on the vendor side. So as a representative from that side of the divide, um, you talk about the variety of charters that security teams can have inside of an organization, right? Some are closer to operational risks. Some are maybe the organization is less mature and security is viewed more as a cost center. And I really dig this nuance because George and I have talked at length about the need for sellers to understand a prospect's business, right? Like a software company has different risks than, say, a manufacturer, different risks than heavily regulated like financial services or pharma. So we're talking about the business. But I want to I like this because it's a layer deeper. It's actually like what's the role of the security team inside of an organization? Um 
So Madi, I want to start with you. Could you highlight some of the differences in the, the charters that you cover in the book and how those different charters might affect the sales approach? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, uh, th this is one of those questions that uh, I, I would love actually David to answer because um, first of all, the art of selling cybersecurity uh, has many contributors to it. And, and within that, we have over seven contributors and many editors that wrote win the book. And what we wanted to do was bring industry experts to talk about it, right? Thought mm -hmm. leaders. Um, David bringing that thought leadership, you know, uh, with Gartner in the past and, and, and just what he's touched with cybersecurity over the several years um, was it actually the, the catalyst behind that. So, David, I would love for, for, for you to expand on that. Yeah, so so just adding on uh, with with kind of all the different views, I think Madi brought me in. So, so Madi definitely spearheaded the the creation of the book, and and there will be other things coming uh, down the pike as well that related to the art of fill in the blank. But on the art of selling cybersecurity, as Madi was saying, just continuing that and then talking about those charters uh, specifically. First of all, I just want to mention the perspective of the book. Right. There's many books out there about sales. There's tons of books about business and there are books about cybersecurity. And there are even some about, you know, marketing and cybersecurity sales. The difference sure. with this one, though, is it brings in almost like, you know, both you, George K and George A, how you've got the tech provider side. So we have consultants that contributed to the book. Mm -hmm. Uh, some folks that have a deep history and currently are with vendors that contributed to the book as well as CISOs like George A that helped contribute to the book as well. So, hey, I'm a CISO. I've been sold to many times. Mm -hmm. I know what, what a good sale looks like and a bad sale looks like and mediocre. And what's my experience with it? So that is every single word that's in the book was purposeful. And it all came from those perspectives, which is why each chapter we usually ta we tag to an author. So the one that I spent the most time on was, you know, again, coming from the analyst background, was defining some of the core uh, terms, right? As in terms of, you know, network security, email security, endpoint security, what are those? Where do they fit in the ecosystem? Um, and then I ended that chapter off with, you know, you need to know buzzwords, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, there's always going, there's buzzwords now, and there's always going to be buzzwords in cybersecurity. So as an effective sales professional, you need to understand what those buzzwords are and what they truly mean. Uh, I'll bring one up right now that everyone should be familiar with, and it's very powerful, right? But you can get lost in the marketing hype. Zero trust, right? We all know zero trust. <laughs> George A's favorite. <laughs> Yeah, George A's favorite. And George, you know, jump in as well, right? Because I want to hear your thoughts too. But, you know, RSA this past year, um, back in June in San Francisco, walking around, you think that there's, you know, a million zero trust vendors and, and vendors just figuring mm -hmm. out, hey, we're the zero trust password management solution. I, okay, what does that even mean? I don't know. I've heard terms like reverse zero trust. I don't even know what that means either. Um oh. So, you know, in the book, I just said, okay, this is what Zero Trust is. It's built, it is absolutely built on great foundations and the spirit of it is really good. But you need to be cognizant as a sales professional that some of your clients, like George, they might not be receptive to that because it's been overhyped. And so we, we, we you know, talk about that. 
uh, in the book and, and that you just, A, have to understand what it is and B, understand what it means for your company. Because look, I um, last thing I'll say here is that a few years ago when I talked to IBM, uh, they said that in their customer base, when they did a poll, roughly about half of their customers liked the notion of zero trust and the moniker, or the other half hated it because they just were bombarded with all these marketing and cold calls about it. So we do have to understand it. We do need to make sure we use it, but just, you know, don't go too crazy on it. Anyway, I'll stop there. But that's, that's you know, we have other chapters along the way in the book that go into these areas coming from that contributor, in that case, myself with, with that stuff um, and, and, you know, their view to help kind of coach and guide uh, our readers as they go through, uh, go through the book. And just to right. add to that, right, and, and you know, this is, as, as David just brought up, this is a version one of, of many updates that will come, uh, come along the, the path here. And so for me, this was, this was your basic core principles on, on the art of selling cybersecurity. And I want to take a quick mm-hmm. look at like the healthcare industry, right? So to understand the healthcare industry, there's so many things involved. And I think that relates very well with cybersecurity because with healthcare, you have the hospital, you have the public health system. You have the patients, you have the wearable devices, you have the financial institutions, you have the drug drug makers, you have the you know research institutions. There's mm-hmm. so many things in that ecosystem and so many experts within that ecosystem that cybersecurity resonates very well with that uh, because it's so complex. There's, there's so many words and, and, you know, just the buzzword on zero trust within, within the healthcare, there's buzzwords. So how do you simplify all? And so that was the the thought process behind, uh, you know, what we did with with some of the verbiage. Well, this is a brilliant place to take a short break, and we will be back with our audience questions. Nice. Um, so when we talked about the art of selling cybersecurity, and I like that it's not a a science, like a linear fact. Mm. When you're, when, if I'm talking to, you know, uh, an organization and I, you know, as a salesperson, I think a lot of people are like, let me find the pain. Let me, you know, find out if there's budget, let me do X, Y, and Z. Like, I'm just thinking about the project and the sale, but I, I like this notion of, I have to also learn, like, what is the role of this CISO in this security team inside this organization? Do you guys have any like, what are the the questions that people might use to reasonably understand or learn that, right? Because I think what we're trying to say here is you have to, it's a lot of listening, it's a lot of learning about the accounts. If I can reframe it in like simpler terms, how would you guys really go about cold opens, whether it's online or in person? And in person, I find are a lot easier. Mm-hmm. But what do you guys find specifically in terms of phrasing or approaches? You're like, Maddie, you're a sales guy, you're an account executive, you're a BDR. You're trying to approach someone, let's say they're working either in a software company or like you said, they're working at a healthcare provider. You've never met this individual before. How do you open up this sales interaction? Yeah. So, you know, you got to go back to the core, right? I do believe that we are all salespeople. Innately, we have the sales skill. Um, And even taking it even further deeper to that, um, you know, you have to understand that the world has changed as well. So let, let's take a formula. I know George right now brought up there's no science. I think there is a science to, to, to selling. And, and that would be A plus I plus D equals action. What is that? It's IDA, 
right? Which is attention, interest, desire, and action. So let's say if it was a healthcare practitioner, right, that we're trying to sell to. First of all, you need confidence. Mm -hmm. You need charisma. Now, and I do believe these are things that are innate in us. You need the, uh, the art of persuasion. You need the art of presenting logical skills, uh, logical arguments. You need the art of empathy. You need the art of execution. These are all things that are built innate inside us. And so the question is, you're speaking to, let's say, a doctor and you want to, you're, you're, you're selling medicine, right? How would you attract that doctor? you got a few seconds. What are you going to say to that doctor that's going to actually um, grab his attention, right? So in that process, you could say something towards the line of, um, you know, for example, th this particular medication takes care of this specific illness. And so that instantly, right off the bat, that gets that doctor's attention. And now you're like, hey, okay, now tell me more. I think the problem that we're having, having right now online is mm. everyone's using that online tool to reach out to everyone. And George, you probably get 100 emails a day of people trying to reach out to you. And they're all trying to pitch the same robotic well, we, we even just jump, jumping in really quick. I've, I saw George the other day because we did a, a CISO meetup uh, this past week uh, locally in, in Ottawa. And uh, we were, I looked at my phone and I got an email. I won't name the, the, the vendor. And uh, it was in, inviting me to some event or something like that. And there was nothing really in there tying to any of my problems, any of my concerns, any of the checklists of security things that keep me up at night. And George saw it. I showed him. It was on my phone. He looked at it and he laughed and he said, I got the exact same thing. The only thing they did was take out David, put in George. Yeah, it's all mm -hmm. just templated stuff. And so everyone's yeah. annoyed by this. But if I can reach out, understand George's mission, you know, what he's doing at Ruby, what are yeah. some of the threats that are there, yeah. um, and build a use case and go, hey, George, you know, I know you're a fighter related to fighting, related to the guy in the boxing ring. Right. How are you going to protect yourself on this specific stance, this specific defense? Now George is interested. He's like, wait a minute. This guy just talked about something that's of interest to me. So I think that's what we're lacking. And especially with this chat, chat, GDP crap that's out there right now. And I say crap because I think it's a downfall of people because people are not going to be able to form sentences and have a conversation anymore. Yeah, I think like that's that's kind of a big thing. There's something you said at the very start of that, and that is what I look for personally. Like when I'm dealing with salespeople, it's problem solving. Like, do you know your solution enough to know what problem it's capable of solving? Because we might have the conversation, it it just might not be the right solution for me, or, or I already have something in place and happy with that. But if you honestly approach me with an angle of like, hey, I am selling this solution that helps with solving A, B, and C. Do any of these problems resonate with you? Right? If you came at me like that, I'll actually politely answer, be like, hey man, you know, like that's I'm not really looking for that right now, but I'll keep your contact, I'll keep in touch with you because when contract renewal time comes up, maybe I want to reassess that solution. Right? Because you actually genuinely approach me with like knowledge of your solution. Because if you don't have knowledge of me as a client, at least know what you're selling. Like what the one thing that drives me just batty when I'm dealing with BDRs or salespeople that have not done their own homework on their own products, at that point in time, I just want the conversation to end. And I'm mad at myself for letting it happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I think adding, adding, just adding to um, George, what you're saying there and, and, and Madi as well, uh, 
you know, the, the relationship side is, is, is quite substantial, right. Um, and trust, you know, and so I think George, to your point, uh, to any aspiring BDR in cybersecurity, right. Know your stuff, know who you're targeting, you know, get an idea of generally say if it's healthcare again, what keeps them up generally at night, but you have to do your homework when you go in to understand specifically, maybe with this particular, you know, healthcare institution, they're publicly funded, they don't have a lot of other funds, and maybe they struggle to attract top security talent. So they're just getting hammered all the time with ransomware attacks and different types mm-hmm. of things. Know that going in and know what your solution set can do to help them and map it to that. And I think when you do that, don't always be in a rush to always close them all the time because you don't know what their budget cycle is. You don't know if 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 they're ready to make that move, right? Build up their trust. And George, like you said, I've seen situations where it's like, hey, you know, I'm not ready now, but maybe we'll talk later. And then that CISO moves on to another organization and they pick up the phone and they call them right away and say, hey, we're going to deploy this, oh, I don't know new identity solution that you talked to me a year ago about at my last role, we weren't ready for you, but you know what? I liked what you told me then. And those are problems that I had there, but I didn't have the budget for it. Now I got the budget. I've seen that so many times over. Yeah. You talk about in the book, you say patience and persistence. And I feel like that patience line might, we have persistence, but it's like, it's like a depraved persistence. <laughs> I'm just going to keep. You know why that's happening? We have the art of MailChimp, right? So everyone's sending, yeah. everyone's sending a thousand emails, nice. a thousand gums on the wall, and you're waiting now on your, in your inbox and you're hitting, you're hitting refresh, 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 refresh. And you're not seeing that instant gratification. And the reason why is because you haven't made one quality effort, right? If I make a quality effort, I read out, reach out to George, I go, look, just like a doctor, right? A doctor has is out there to preserve and protect the patient's health, right? George is out there to preserve and protect the organization's health. If I'm selling something that is going to preserve and protect, then I need to talk about the exact problem that I'm trying to preserve and protect. Now mm-hmm. George is going to listen to me. So that's what's missing. And 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 maybe he might not miss listen to me on the first email or that first LinkedIn message, but maybe right at a conference, I'm like, Hey, by the way, what's going on? And George will remember and be like, you know what? Let's have that conversation. That's what's. Yeah. Yeah. And I think George, uh, to the patient's point that you brought up, you know, again, uh, depends on the organization, but certainly I've seen some very, uh, junior reps, uh, sales reps, uh, and others that who, you know, would boast that they have experience, but then they go and work with, you know, some large banks, some very large enterprises, and they don't understand that, you know, typically some of these enterprises, you know, if the, if the line item is over a certain amount, it's got to go to bid, it's got to go RFP, yeah. they've got to do all sorts of different things. Uh, and that can take time. And so they have to be patient. And I've seen the mistake many times over where they rush and then they start to really rub the client in the wrong way. And now you're going to lose trust and, yeah. you know, that can affect other things. And, and one other thing I'll add to that is that CISOs talk to other CISOs. Time and time again, we've said this on the podcast. If you burn one account by being an asshole, like they're going to tell all their friends and you might burn your entire patch. A hundred percent. And, and, you know, it's, it's, 
I don't want to bring this up, gentlemen, but you know, at the same time, we're in a world where you can Google's people, you can Google people's names, and you know, there's situations where that's good and bad, right? I mean, you can Google me. Hopefully, it's all good stuff. I think so, but you know, um, if if you have a bad reputation because you've done this before and you, you force people, a CISO will say, "Hey, you know, this so and so person at that vendor or that vendor in particular just doesn't have good." business outreach practices and they tell others and it's just, you know, they, they, they approach them finally and they go, I've heard about you guys before. And then they might look them up and say, yeah, you have a very bad reputation of just burning your customers or bombarding them or harassing them. Uh, It's a world where you have to be careful about your reputation because someone writes one thing about you and those reviews stay. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I do I do agree with that quite a bit, and I think it speaks to the larger point about community, which kind of brings me to like the next question I want to I want to ask. You know, when it comes to connecting with a larger community, both in Canada and abroad, <laughs> excuse me, how do you guys? Uh, and this is both Nadia and David, because David, you're a huge part of CyberX, CyberX's greater success as well. How do you guys manage to pull together such a diverse group of people and organizations? Like, where did you learn to build? such captivating events and how do you keep coming up with so much fresh material and fresh content almost every week it seems well first i'll just say something though george it is like a hundred percent on Madi. i'm just i'm just some guy who talks here and there he just drags me in and, and points me <laughs> um but uh but you know i'll just say from my perspective and Madi, i'm going to give it over to you because absolutely this is this is your blood sweat and tears but no i i you know, look, I, I'm myself when I'm in front of everybody. I'm an open book. You know, you want to know anything about me, look at my LinkedIn profile. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's just about connecting with people at the end of the day, right? Whether you're a tech provider, a consultant, or you're a security practitioner in the weeds, or like Madi does with many of the events, bring some students there as well. And you're you're interested in this uh, uh, this group. You know, I, I, I did, uh, you know, one of the events volunteer uh, some of my time to review resumes with some folks and guide them along the way. Uh, because, you know, 20 years in this, in this space, uh, there's a lot of lessons I've learned and I wanted to share them. So again, for me, I agree with the community and it's just about connecting people. And I think when people see that and it's a safe split space to talk about stuff, mm-hmm. then it just, that breeds more success of more people coming in. That's my, my view. And Maybe partially my contribution, if that makes sense. But Mari, I'm going to kick it to you. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll use the allegory of the, the World Cup today. And that is, I'm the stadium. Uh, everyone else in the crowds, the, 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 the goalkeeper, the, the last kick that happened, the trophy, that's, that's everyone within the ecosystem of CyberX. That includes our advisory boards. That includes our students. That includes our volunteers. That includes our marketing team. That's everyone else. I'm just the stadium, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just to answer your question, um, you, you asked, I think it comes down to three things for me. And number one is social engineering. You need the art of social engineering, which is the ability to speak to people, the ability to adapt, the ability to empathize, the ability to, you know, um, d- present logical arguments, because at the end of the day, that's what people are looking for in the business community. Number two is innovation. You have mm-hmm. to constantly be innovating. Uh, I and then I mean with innovation, the best friend of innovation is you got to love what you're doing. I wake up in the morning, I wake up with a smile. 
There has not been a day in five years that I woke up upset because I'm excited with what I do. If you don't like what you do, go home because there's no point. You're just going to ruin everyone else's day. Uh, and then number three at the end of the day is being humble, right? Just really grounding yourself, um, being able to talk to a student who's just looking to enter cybersecurity or switch gears and talk to David, right? Just being humble at every opportunity that you possibly can get. Hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, like, that's um, exactly the energy and the spirit that, like, uh, I've found with you in everything that we've done. Um, you know, like, even down to Canadian Women in Cyber, which I thought was a, a brilliant, brilliant conference. That was unreal. Uh, we did meet up in the summer. It was unreal. Uh, the program you guys have done online. You've, you've almost created an online channel, like a, like a television channel of content creation from the advisors and from the experts that you put together. And you're, you're at the very center of it. That, that, that stadium metaphor, I think, really speaks to your approach to it. And the energy that you bring in, like, that's honestly the biggest, like, the biggest value prop that you have at the table is that I think people enjoy, on a human level, just interacting with you. I mean, like, you, you without being... I'm going to say it. Like, you don't, you don't do any of the things. You don't bribe people about things. You're not, you're not doing anything that's, you know, unethical, but you're the life of the party and you still make the party about everyone else that's there. Right. And that, that unique balance, I think that just sets you apart from anyone else I've experienced in industry, whether it's in Canada or the U.S. or abroad. Wow. I think that's at the core of CyberX's identity and success. It's that, genuine, earnest, humble, hey, we're all here to try to make this industry better. And when um, when I actually met George and started this podcast, it was after Meetup, and that was so that the that was the energy that I had. But I was like, okay, man, mm-hmm. like, Maddie's doing his thing. He's making this place better. What can I do to try to make industry better? How can I contribute? And I'm nowhere near as, like, resourceful and innovative and working at scale like you are. Like, it's brilliant what you've done i i really hope more people learn about it it should be written about more i think your your time in the spotlight in the mainstream is going to come um but you have changed the entire game of this industry in canada like i'll say that straight up and it's been amazing yeah and i think Madi, you're you're a you, you're an incredible dot connector and just not to sound kind of cheesy here but you're right connecting it back to you know, the, the, the book and just sales in general. I mean, you, you embody, you embody that in what you've done with CyberX because every interaction, right. It's, it's like boiler room, right. Ben Affleck, old Ben Affleck movie, right. <laughs> always be selling, right. And you're always selling yourself. You're always selling CyberX, but not only that, when I've seen you introduce two CISOs with each other, right. Uh, that have never met, you're selling, you're selling them to each other. Mm-hmm. Right. You talk about a couple of their traits of CISO A and the couple of traits of CISO B. And you're like, you two need to meet because you just had this project. Right. One of the best things that Nadi ever did. I remember I will never forget the CWC theme music for the walkouts. I was like, I'm never doing another conference again. If I don't have a damn theme song when I walk out on stage. <laughs> well, what's coming up? What's coming up? I see so far is going to, is going to change the game. No, thank you. Thank you very much. We're humbled. And again, on behalf of the CyberX team, it's not me. It's everyone else. It's the whole stadium. It's down to you two, for example, that are going to kick that final penalty kick shot uh, with Wendell Clark. It's, it's all of that, right? So it's, it's the whole thing. 
Okay, that does it for part one of our interview with Mari Raza and David Mari. Stay tuned for part two later this week. We'll kick off with our audience questions and then get down to brass tacks. See you soon. Thank you.